this is a, a gangbuster start here. Off <laughs> <laughs> to a rip roaring beginning. Yeah, we always start with a bang. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Believe me, I know. Good morning, and welcome to episode 190 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, Sam Miller, still on vacation. Uh, when he goes away, he goes away for more than one day. So he will be back on Monday, or at least that's the plan. So joining me today uh, for the first time on the podcast is Will Woods, who's uh, writing you you may have seen on, on Baseball Prospectus. He, he really started writing for us towards the end of, of last season and, and did a bunch of really interesting articles, I thought, and then uh, filled in a bunch of times on Dan Rathman's Rumor Roundup few times over the winter, and uh, I hope that I will be able to persuade him to start writing regularly again soon. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, hello. One day at a time, Ben. I'm <laughs> delighted to be here. As you know, I've been warming up in the bullpen ever since this podcast started. Yes. And, and like a pitcher that's been warming up for the entire game, obviously I've got nothing left. <laughs> so, so this is going to be a, a yeah. perversely entertaining episode of Effectively Wild. I have a feeling. Yes, you've been you've been up all you've been up and down all all game, all 190 episodes you've been Exactly. You've been waiting for the call. Um well, uh well it is it is nice to talk to you. Uh would you would you would you care to to tell the listeners anything about yourself? Oh, there's nothing that the, there's nothing that the listeners don't already know about me. I've already bared my soul every uh, every rumor roundup yes, I've filled in on. Uh, no, I mean I think I was a, I was a poor Division three baseball player, mm-hmm. and I used uh, what ample time I had sitting and watching other people play baseball to learn as much as I could about the game. Student of the game. Yeah, and so now I get to uh, I get to pontificate about it mm-hmm. uh, every three weeks or so when uh, Dan Rathman goes away. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's pretty much that's the bare bones of me right there. Uh, so we have a history. Uh, Do we ever? <laughs> yes, uh, we we are old friends. Yeah, you know the uh, the backup room roundup guy is not what you'd call a meritocracy. <laughs> You get, <laughs> you have to know somebody in this business, okay? You yes. get kissed into it. You have to know and that's somebody. Exactly, since, that's exactly what you did. Since first grade to get yeah. that gig. And I won't call you old nicknames. That, mm. oh, thank you. <laughs> that would embarrass you. I know you're a professional now. Yes. Okay? Yeah. This is so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. We'll leave it at that. Uh, okay, so you are, uh, you are a Mets fan, uh, or oh, some days... Use the we use the term fan very very loosely yes, around here, right? Uh, yeah. So we are going to do a, a kind of Mets centric show. Uh, you're going to talk about the Mets, uh, specifically <laughs> Ike Davis, I gather. Uh, and I am going to going to break from tradition and and do a listener email, which we received just a few hours ago. Uh, and normally we would answer that next Wednesday, but since it is Mets related and it is something that that was just published in an article recently, I figured we would just get to it now since we have no shortage of, of email show questions. So uh, it's a question about prospects and Mets prospects and trading for Giancarlo Stanton. So uh, I guess we can get to that second. So sure. So so take us away. 
Okay. Well, yeah, I know. I feel I feel no guilt at all about doing a totally Met centric show since this is a a one off for me, and I have yeah. no doubt that I won't be invited back. Um, <laughs> we, I'll get going. We haven't on. talked about the Mets this season. I don't think we may, we may never for talk good reason. Mets, right? Why so, would you? Yeah. So uh, this is this is a major league podcast. Um, okay, I want to take you back uh, to a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm looking at an article right now uh, by the in the uh, New York Star Ledger about Ike Davis, who at the time was four for twenty seven on the season. Uh, for a 148 average, and of course he's markedly improved. Now he's into the 160s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about his slump, uh, Terry Collins said, the one thing that made him very good in spring training is the fact that he went to left field and went to center field so much. He took a lot of base hits up the middle, a lot of base hits to left center. We've got him back doing that because that makes him dangerous when he can hit the ball the other way. Okay, so that makes sense. We've got a lefty pull hitter, guy who steps in the bucket a little bit, tries to open up and tries to yank it out to right field. That all makes sense from Terry Collins. Here's Ike Davis's quote within the same article about exactly what is going on with his, with his slump. Quote, they'll start making some mistakes and I'll start hitting some homers. Well... <laughs> That's that's fantastic, Ike. Um, we're all we're all thrilled for him. Um, but he did something. He had a game this afternoon. As I was uh, thinking of things to say tonight um, against the Dodgers, he was one for four, I believe, and had three miserable, miserable at bats before he got up against Brandon League, who uh, grooved a two seamer uh, middle in. And he did what Ike Davis typically does, which is yank it out of the park about 430 feet into the bullpen. Um, there is no doubt in my mind, or I think I think anyone's mind who who watches the team every day, that Ike has been able to do that, can do that now, and will always be able to do that. And I don't doubt that pitchers will make those mistakes, and he'll hit those home runs, and pitchers will make 30 something of those mistakes a year mm-hmm. and he'll deposit 30 something of them into respective bullpens and that could happen in perpetuity what he does he does not seem to understand that his fundamental flaws at the plate put him you know at best in the Adam Dunn 2011 zone you know Justin Turner is overmatched by major league pitchers. Ike Davis gets himself out all by himself, kind of irrespective of the, uh, of the pitcher (laughs) of of whatever any pitcher is doing. Um, and I think it's, it's just, it's frustrating to me because one of the things that I've written about on, on baseball prospectus. And one of the things that I scream about, uh, all the time watching games is, uh, a marriage between sabermetrics and and old school scouting, mm-hmm. and and this and I think the sabermetrics would indicate to us that certainly he's had some injury issues that that we have a very difficult time accounting for, uh, and obviously that makes it that makes it difficult to predict. He's got a pretty high standard deviation of where where his uh, career might take him at this point, mm-hmm. but we generally assume that he's going to bounce back, and yet any anyone who watches this team every day and watches him take first pitch fastballs on the outside corner that not only doesn't he swing at, but he doesn't even register those pitches as strikes. Mm-hmm. That's how bad the problem is. Um, anyone who watches the team knows that this isn't getting better. 
and it's not going to revert back to the mean. And, and it's so so that's something I, I really struggle with. And I'm sure that uh, people listening to this, you know, watching their local teams have a person have a player in mind who who sort of fits that bill. And certainly for me, Davis is that player. Well, I, I mean, in his defense, I guess there there aren't uh, there aren't an unlimited number of players who can who can yank 30 something home runs in City Field. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Absolutely. that's uh, that is that is something in his favor, uh, even if he is, even if he is not a, a particularly high average hitter. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a guy who walks who walks fairly often. Um, I mean, he's not up there hacking at everything. He's not Jeff Francoeur. He's he nope. he walks, uh, and he's been. I mean, I feel I feel like maybe the. The worst thing that happened to him was when he, when he had that really really hot start to the 2011 season, um, yeah, and then he got hurt, and the getting hurt was bad. But it was almost as if I feel like people kind of took what he had done to that point as his his new level. Um, at the mm-hmm. time, he was hitting. 302, 383, 543, and yeah, and he was coming off a a good rookie season. I mean, uh, oh, very strong. Yeah, absolutely. So no, he looked like a star. Yeah, no doubt. So then he he had that really excellent, just partial partial season, and then got hurt, and it was it seemed like there was kind of an assumption that that if he hadn't gotten hurt, that was just who he was. He would have just hit that well all season, which. Maybe it was not a safe assumption, um, and then he came back last year and did not look as good. He he went backwards quite a bit, although he still, I, I mean, he hit 32 home runs, so there's some value there. But for a first baseman who has a low average and didn't, yeah. I, I don't know whether there was any kind of bad luck going on. He had a, a low low average on, on balls in play and that sort of thing, which has continued into this year. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that, that partial season kind of gave people the impression that, that he was a, a star uh, and just a young guy to really build around in the core part of the team. And now maybe he looks more like, I don't know, is his, is his upside just sort of a, I don't know, just kind of an average player. I guess. Well, well, it's a difficult. I mean, to me, that's a, that's still a, a a wide open question because, on the one hand, if he doesn't if he doesn't adjust, if he doesn't honestly just take a half step closer to the plate when he when he gets up there, he'll go on like this forever, and it, and he won't get better if he doesn't make that adjustment. Well, on the other I mean, hand, how, could, he, what, could he rip off two months? You know, of a of a. You know, of, of all-star caliber play, probably maybe. I honestly, I don't know, but we'll never know. I, I think that's, I think that's the thing that that frustrates me so much is that it, it's it's a question that that sabermetrics really can't answer, or even really put a probability on, because when you look at it and when you get really up close to it and into the into the micro details of his specific situation, it, it's really up to him and it's up to his coaching staff. And I don't think that's something that we're we're really comfortable uh, uh, dealing with, you know, in the BP community is, is how 
is, is what you know are are is he going to help himself and are his coaches going to help him well there was a suggestion last year and it was i don't know maybe it was an adam rubin column uh when there was some talk of the mets trading davis um mm-hmm. and there was there was a suggestion that he is a guy who goes out after games and stays out late and and uh and who is not receptive to coaching and it wasn't it wasn't really clear whether whether that was true or whether it was just some sort of front office source or some source who had an axe to grind or something it was just sort of an anonymous i think an anonymous Mets source maybe wait wait a minute wait a minute the Mets have the Mets have anonymous sources (laughs) we're talking about the New York Mets (laughs) so I don't know if that's if it was true and it wasn't just someone who had some beef against Dyke Davis for some reason, um, and it was and it was weird. I mean, just even if it were true to to say that sort of thing about your own player, um, mm-hmm. especially if if you're considering trading him, it's not the greatest idea to come out and talk about his flaws. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if if there was some truth to that, then then maybe he is a guy who would be less likely to make adjustments that pitchers have made to him since he first came up and had some success. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't watch him on a, on a daily basis like you do. So I, I just, I, I look at the numbers and the numbers yeah. say that he has been decent on the whole. I mean, not, not this year, not last year, not, but not last year. Yeah. if you just kind of, put it all together he's he's been someone that that you'd be kind of comfortable playing not really excited about playing as a first baseman but a decent defensive first baseman i would think do you would you agree with that assessment well he threw in a nice drop pop-up today but other than that <laughs> yeah, uh, right so <laughs> he occasionally lollipops the throw to first base but <laughs> other than that yeah he's he's no he's doing fine i think the, the only thing i can say about that uh, obviously we can't, we can't speculate from, from here about the, about the whole work ethic thing. Mm-hmm. But when I read that article a couple weeks ago and the, the quote again is they'll start making some mistakes and I'll start hitting some homers. Uh, that is, that, that is an alarming, alarming <laughs> that quote is a strange... coming from a person in Ike Davis's situation. Let's just put it that way. It was strange. I mean, every hitter has to take advantage sure. of mistakes, but it's, it's kind of strange to hear someone sort of say that he's dependent on mistakes almost as if he, yeah. like if the pitcher yeah. makes his pitch, then he has no chance. He, yeah. he has my to question, kind of wait my, for a mistake. It's, yeah, exactly. And my, my question would be, on what universe do you consider that to be your problem? You just spent an entire 2012 season in which you hit 32 mistakes out of the ballpark and did essentially nothing else. I mean, it's 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 pretty difficult to hit 32 homers and and slug 462. That doesn't yeah. doesn't happen all that often. Yes. Um. So, you know, I, so I look. Yeah, I don't know what his work ethic is. And as far as people wanting to take a run at him, I have two good friends. One of whom is in the next room, who went to high school with Ike Davis. I I want to love Ike Davis. Mm-hmm. I want to try and meet him and get his autograph and have a beer with Ike Davis. Which, I'm, which apparently he's more than willing to do, by the way. Um, but it's an alarming quote, and it's an alarming point of view. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, there was, I mean, there was talk last year, 
I guess it was around the time that that article came out because uh, it seemed like the Mets had sort of two first basemen and that Lucas Duda is basically a first baseman, or at least you don't want him to be an outfielder, um, it seems like. And he, I guess, was kind of disappointing last season, or at least with his stats last season, you wouldn't want him to be a first baseman either. But um, no. the way that he has started this season um, is is impressive. He has, he has looked pretty good in what I've seen of him and, and has been pretty selective and seems like he has uh, a decent approach and an idea yeah. of what he's doing. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you what he's I'll tell you what he's not doing is uh, having conversations with Ike Davis <laughs> because he is completely they're, they're two guys, two big lefty power hitters who are in basically the same situation who have some of the same tendencies, although Duda doesn't really step in the bucket the way the way Davis does. But Duda is a guy who wants to get on top of the plate and maximize what he does best and use that to the pitcher's disadvantage. Whereas Ike see, Ike does the same thing that I used to do when I played, which was we can only pull the ball. So let's stand as far away from the plate as possible and just expose ourselves to the outside corner. Anyway, to your point, Duda looks fine. Uh, he, he is a guy who has had a lot of struggles and has made the adjustments. Um, I don't know. You know, it's all, it's all, it's, it's <laughs> to be perfectly frank, it's what you would expect of a major league hitter, mm-hmm. uh, which is what Lucas Duda is. And Ike, you know, we shall see. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, you certainly wouldn't have ever thought a couple of years ago that, that we would be almost equating these two players or, no. or uh, even, I don't know, considering the idea that, that the Mets would possibly be better off with, Duda at first base than Davis over the next few years. I, I don't know whether that's the case now, but I mean, uh, I guess they were just they were just flipped in the order. Was it was it today or yesterday? Well, there are a few. Yeah, it was a, it was uh, yesterday. I think was the first day. Well, yeah, yesterday being right. yesterday being Tuesday. And Terry Collins had said that he wasn't going to move Davis. I think a few days prior to that, and then did. Well, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of variables there because number one the the uh, the Mets are fielding an outfield that would look a little bit better at Binghamton right, right now than it does uh, in Queens. So Terry Terry Collins seems to be married to the idea of Davis at first, Duda in the outfield, and I think he's even gone so far as to uh, forbid Duda from taking ground balls because he doesn't want to mess with his focus. Mm. He's so focused on playing the outfield at a thoroughly mediocre level that which he doesn't he needs he needs extreme focus to, to play it that poorly um, yeah exactly so i you know who knows there are a lot of other things going on um but so i mean duda was not not the draft pick that davis was, was not the prospect that davis was uh i guess he's a little older maybe a year older not not a lot older yeah um, no not negligibly older yeah no. And I don't know. I, I wonder how long they have to continue along their current trajectories before before you would consider. Uh, not that Davis is necessarily gonna gonna bring back a, an enormous prospect package at this point or anything. Um, no, but at what point do you call him a sunk cost? 
and 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 cut bait. You know, they've wanted him to succeed, and at first he gave them that impression that he would, and uh, you know, now I'm just depressed. So let's let's read a reader email. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So this email is from Jerry in Philadelphia. Uh, he wants our thoughts on this nugget from Jason Stark's latest column. Uh, so this was published at ESPN on Thursday. Um, okay, and here's Stark. He says, you know those rumors that the Mets are monitoring Giancarlo Stanton, the ones that also mentioned the Marlins would undoubtedly ask for Zach Wheeler and Travis Darno in return. I wouldn't give one of those guys for Stanton, said one NL exec. The catcher has a chance to be a 10-year all-star. The other guy is one of the best pitching prospects in the game. So there you have it. Uh, and Jerry goes on to say, if I were the owner of an NL team that happened to read this article and come across this quote, I would immediately make sure that this was not one of my execs that said this. And if it were, they would be fired because I would not want this person anywhere near an important decision in my organization. Yeah. Go Jerry. <laughs> mm. Jerry's I fired up. This. Yeah. Uh, to say that you wouldn't trade either for Stanton straight up, uh, trade either for Stanton straight up is borderline insanity. Uh, and then he goes on to, to compare the three players, Stanton is, is younger than Darno, only six months older than Wheeler. Uh, neither of them has has played in the majors yet. We know that we know what Stanton has done. Uh, and then he finishes, shouldn't Stark at least put the caveat of every other exec with a pulse disagrees with this statement after he mentions the quote? Or maybe this quote was put in the story just to drive people to read the article and drive reactions like this from readers like me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I think there there is an element of that in that if you're uh if you're a writer and you have a stable of sources that you kind of go to whenever whenever you you have to fill a column and you need some little nuggets like this then you might send the the question out to i don't know 20 people 30 people who knows stark has been around forever and and must have a lot of contacts and then yeah. you use the the one response that is most interesting so maybe maybe every other response he got was just sort of your your basic uh response that that sure you would you would trade either of those guys for stan and then and then this one guy for whatever reason said something different and unexpected and interesting and so of course you put that one in uh because it it gets jerry fired up and it gets us talking about the article and linking to the article and and that's how you get page views uh, and and you're not making it up. Someone actually said that, so you can just relay it. You just pass it along. Um, and I mean, I don't know what the NL exec uh, does. I'm assuming that that it is not uh, uh, the concessions department director or something. I'm assuming that this is this is someone in baseball operations somewhere. Um, and yeah, it it is kind of hard to understand i mean those are are two very good prospects two of the the best prospects but uh, i don't i don't know what argument you can make i mean certainly if if darno becomes a, a 10-year all-star as he says then there's a possibility that 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 could be more valuable than stanton because as good as stanton is he he has three years left before he's, he's a free agent and now his his pre-arb years are over, so he's he's going to be first-time arbitration eligible uh, after this season, and then he will he'll start making decent money. 
over the next few years, whereas he's just been dirt cheap up until now. So, so you have three years of Stanton left, at, and he'll be making more money in those years. So, yeah, if Darno goes on to be the the best catcher in baseball, and and you don't have to pay him anything for his first three years, um, maybe that is more valuable to you, and you have him for six years, sure. Uh, but it for a guy who hasn't been in the majors and who there are certainly still some legitimate concerns about it it seems like a stretch to i mean you're you're just assuming that that both of those guys reach their their full yeah. ceiling and their full potential um and i mean i guess if if they do then yeah maybe it makes sense but what are the <laughs> the odds that that well, they will well i mean just the, i think just the fact that you had to do about eight laps around <laughs> Uh, how we could possibly justify this statement <laughs> right. it's pretty pretty much says all you could say about how how legitimate that assessment might be right. um you know keep in mind now darno broke his foot last week yes and uh he's gonna be out for i think seven more weeks just about and and stark still ran that comment so i think this is uh a situation where inches yeah, are just as valuable right. in, on the internet that, as they were in that print was made after the injury the comment i yeah, presumably, but more importantly, the article was run after the injury, mm-hmm. and you know, I, mean, I don't didn't feel the need to include the small detail that now we have to discuss whether one of the best catching prospects in baseball is injury prone, and I don't want to put that label on him because you know he was struck by a foul ball, and he's a catcher, and it happens. Um, but I think. More, more importantly, it, it affects his trade value for sure. So if you're going after a guy like Stanton or pretty much anybody, now that's going to come into the conversation. Mm-hmm. So he tore a ligament uh, in his knee last June. He hurt his back a couple of years ago. Now he's got a foot issue. And we're talking about a catcher who could be a 10-year all-star here. Well, <laughs> he's got to get through those years. Right. He's got to have one year of just being healthy. Before you, I mean, he's had. Yeah, be a nice touch. He is his maximum is 132 games in 2010, and and since then, uh, 78 and 98, and obviously not going to be a full season this year. And and I guess a lot of people, I mean, that was kind of the the knock on him entering the season, or one of the knocks on him was that he he has hasn't been able to stay healthy. And then, I guess a lot of people took. Uh, the injury this year is kind of confirmation of that, but I guess it's not really fair to do that, or it seems like it's not. I, I mean, no. catchers get hit by by foul tips. That happens. Uh, I don't know whether he is somehow more susceptible to that than than anyone else would be. I mean, like he's yeah. he's got weaker well, bones or something. Yeah, I was gonna say just not enough calcium in right. the system. He did, doesn't really drink doesn't really jive, you know. Growing up or yeah, something. Exactly. Um, I mean. I, I don't know. And then the other thing is is now Wheeler, on the other hand, this is a guy who, first of all, is a pitcher. So right. let's just hold let's just let's just hold the phone on, <laughs> you know, anything that he might deliver because he's a pitcher. Yeah. Um and anyone named Matt Harvey is uh, you know, not not named Matt Harvey is is not a sure thing. So um I you know, and Wheeler really First of all, is off to a, a poor start. I don't think there's any other way you can say it at uh, a AAA this season, and really hasn't dominated the the higher levels of minor league ball 
in the way that you would would hope. He's he's a guy that the scouts salivate over, and you can you can definitely see why when you when you watch him throw. Mm-hmm. But the the makeup doesn't seem to completely be there. Now you could have said the same thing about Harvey, and I have no doubt that when if and when Wheeler gets up here uh, towards the middle of this season, most likely, you know he'll he'll perform somewhat close to expectation. But look. As far as getting a superstar like like Stanton, who has zero home runs to date, as far as I as as of this recording, uh, you know, the guy's a superstar. I'd trade him in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I and I, and I don't I don't to be clear I don't I don't blame Stark at all for for running the quote or for not ridiculing the quote along with the quote because I mean. Presumably, uh, he he wants to talk to this source again because yeah, this, I this source I is blame, such a, a goldmine. Apparently, I would blame Stark. Yeah, sure. Well, he makes good copy, right? I think I would blame Stark just for not adding a little caveat about you yeah, know. I guess. I mean, it, it seems like it's so most execs say something along yeah, those lines. I guess a little. I don't know if it's just so obvious that this differs from the consensus that he felt like he didn't even need to to point that out. But <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and and maybe this source just kind of said that because he figured it would get him in the column, and he likes seeing his words in print. Who knows? Some people like saying he likes seeing his anonymous his anonymous quotes. His anonymous quotes. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, everybody gets off on that. I know, totally. So, but I mean, just even aside from those prospects specifically, I was kind of thinking about whether whether there is any one prospect in baseball whom I would not trade straight up for, for Stanton. And I don't know, that is, that is, uh, I think a more interesting question or also an interesting question. And it's, I don't know, I guess, uh, if there's one guy, I guess it would be like a, a pro far who, Pro-far. yeah, who is, I mean, kind of the consensus top prospect, but also, yeah major league ready right now and seems like he would he would be starting if the rangers were were constructed a little differently than they are uh and would probably be starting for for a lot of teams or most teams at this point and so maybe there's less uncertainty with him he's seen as someone with a very high floor who is who is more or less ready to to be average or so at least right now at a very young age and so i guess he would be the one guy that you would consider it for. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's Oscar Tavares, who's kind of the, the top hitting prospect in the minors. But, um, I, I mean, I don't know. The odds are that he is not going to be, he's not going to be as good a hitter as Stanton has been so far. And you would expect him to be. So I don't know yeah. that there is really any, any one prospect that I would not trade straight up, even though, Stanton is going to be making more money uh, over the next few years and not quite as much surplus value from him as the Marlins have been getting. Um, even so, it is, it's, it's tough to, to say that there's any one guy you wouldn't trade straight up for him. Well, you and, you and Sam have covered this topic um, and, and covered it pretty well and I think came to a pretty sound conclusion, which is that really there is no prospect that you would ever trade Giancarlo Stanton I, I don't think that you would not that no. that you yeah. no, there's I there's uh, yeah that you would not sorry mm-hmm. it's late um <laughs> it's late it's late and we have to warn our affiliates that we're running long tonight <laughs> yes. um I think I think the the crux of the issue is that we have we have this 
weird fixation with prospects, even though the industry standard is extremely hit and miss, and that's always the way it's going to be. Um, there's just no, there's just no real grounds for, for making that kind of deal or even thinking about making that kind of deal. And it makes sense because we don't see deals like that really ever, unless they're cost cutting. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that, I don't think there's anything more that I can, that I can say about it. Yeah. Me neither. Trade, me neither. Get Wheeler and Darno out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'm sufficiently depressed about the Mets. Hold on, I need to I need to Google image Matt Harvey. <laughs> Just hold on a second. And okay, I feel better. I feel better, I feel okay, better now. Good. Oh, God. All right. Well, we will end on that end on that happy note. Uh, we will be back next week, or, or or I will be back next week. You'll be you'll be nowhere near this podcast. I'll next be week. absolutely within 500 feet of a microphone. It's <laughs> pair my cord order. Um, so Thank you for having me back. yes, anytime, uh, anytime that Sam is not here, that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> anytime you don't want to test that one, I'll be I'll be in your apartment. <laughs> uh, send emails at podcast at baseballperspectives dot com. Uh, they will be answered next Wednesday, and we will be back with a new show on Monday. <laughs>